Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for June 19th of 2015. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will talk about the Stanley Cup champion Chicago Blackhawks, where they, how they accomplished that feat and where they're going. We're also going to touch off on some high-end trade targets um, with a little help from Down Goes Brown for Grantland. Sean McIndoe had a nice article where he broke down a lot of the big names in the offseason. Uh, today we're going to focus on the trade ships. And then we have some listener feedback from Twitter, questions, and we'll, we'll answer those towards the end. So uh, Chicago, one in six games. Uh, very well, very well deserved. Yeah, oh yeah, it's one of those things where I think for the way you and I like hockey to be played and an organization to be run, they're they're a model franchise. They um they look at the game a particular way. It creates a very nice product on the ice to watch, and I'm not going to say the more experienced team won. It's quite simply the better team won in the end. A little bit more depth and. Um, a little bit more health. Yeah, I thought Chicago had a little bit better forward depth. And what I thought was, I perceived to be uh, an issue was their defense depth. And rightfully so, Duncan Keith won the con Smythe because oh, yeah. uh, they played like 4D and he was just an animal the entire playoffs. So I thought he was going to wear down. Uh, I was wrong. And he's I very much the deserving playoff MVP, I think that was a great choice. Yeah. Uh, look, he, he basically he basically won game six, really, when you, you think about what he did. But every playoff series, people tried to run him. He managed to avoid it, play 30 minutes a game. And, you know, it was the catalyst for all good things that happened for Chicago over the course of the, the four rounds. So, you know, kudos to, kudos to him. There's not really much more you could say. No, he was uh, he was uh, he was unreal. His skating, just his um, stamina and conditioning to be able to accomplish that, let alone play at a high level, but to eat that many minutes in high intensity um, games like the Stanley Cup Final, and especially you know Tampa is pretty darn good too. It's not like it was against weaker competition, so. Um, I think the only thing that was disappointing for me was the injuries to the players that got injured for Tampa. You have a torn groin in your goalie. You have a busted wrist in your team's leading scorer. Um, and you've got a superstar that, you know, just couldn't find the back of the net. Just, you know, had that short, small sample size rub go the wrong way. And that's where you end up in this situation. So it's it's like Tampa can be happy with what they're at. They can be very upset for not for not winning, um, and for unfortunately losing. I think that was what three in a row for the first time the entire year. And Game Six was the first game that anybody had a two goal lead. That's how close mm. it was. Um, the Ben Bishop injury. Um, you know. I thought that was going to impact him a lot more, personally. But um, he, the last three games of the series, Tampa only gave up two goals. In fact, oh, the last four. 
Yeah. No, it's it's the thing. It, it, this was a a series of quality scoring chances and high level goaltending. A couple of crazy moments here and there, but you couldn't say that either goalie missed a save that they should have had really easily. Um, you can probably say that Bishop should stay in the net on one leg rather than try and come out and um, clean up Hedman. But you get there with it and it's like, what can you do? Yeah, Bishop had a 940 save percentage in the game six and a 930 in, in game five. And the game before that, he was at 950. Yeah, so he did. That's the thing. That's like, great. That's really great. Uh, those those safe percentage numbers would suggest that it was bad hockey to watch. I don't think that was the case. I think we watched some really, really good attacking, aggressive hockey from both teams. It's just the goalies were quality. Yeah, I thought the quality of the games was fine. They, they definitely tried to push the tempo, and um, goaltending was very good. Which is fine. Yeah. That's the thing. You don't need high scoring. You just need high volumes of quality chances. And I think both teams got that through stages of each game. It ebbed and flowed. And then through the series, it obviously ebbed and flowed as well. So, um, yeah, it was it was nicely done. The bigger problem was Tyler Johnson's wrist. That, oh, and then, that was clear, yeah. clearly impacted his ability to be functional out there. Uh, his 13 goals was too short of tying Sidney Crosby's 15 from the Stanley Cup winning 2009 run. And nobody else has matched Sidney's 15 goals since then. So he was having himself a wonderful playoffs before the injury that apparently occurred very early in the Stanley Cup final. So that kind of killed him. Yeah. And, and then obviously, was it Kucherov that ran into the, the net and wasn't right? after that as well in game five. So mm-hmm. those that, that puck luck, if you want to call it, just didn't roll their way at all. No, not towards the end. But Chicago, I mean, that's what they do. They stay healthy. Um, I don't know if it's <laughs> luck or it's in their training or what, but the it, they don't get hurt. Their best players can can play, and it goes such a long way in to their driving their success. And uh, good for them. Oh, exactly. So now that the Cup Finals over, Chicago has some things to sort out. Oh yeah, lots, lots of things to sort out, but I don't think it's an impossible task. Like some believe, I do think it's going to get more difficult. Um, the ten and a half mil to, to Taves and Kane, the what I'm gonna say is a, a anywhere between four point five and five point five mil to Brandon Saad. I think that would be my baseline for where I would guess his new contract lands. Someone's gonna offer shade him, I think, just to try I, to screw him. I don't know if he makes it to July one. He may sign his extension before then. Seems yeah, very just... very content to be there. And I think yeah. Chicago understands that if they don't, they're going to let another team dictate the terms, and I think they're willing to pay him. And I think that he may not even make it to July 1 for an offer sheet. And then there's always the concept that um, Saad has to sign your offer sheet, 
And if he's negotiating within 500000 with Chicago, is he really going to, you know, he'll probably continue to negotiate with the Blackhawks over that five hundred grand rather than sign an offer sheet. Do you know who his agent is? Not offhand, I do not. Well, all I was going to say is that I suppose how it pans out will be what his, how his agent acts. You know, some agents have a, a good rapport with the team, some agents don't. We'll see how it works out, I suppose. And they have movable parts, and we're going to talk a lot more about Patrick Sharp in, in our trading section of, of this podcast. Um, but his 5.9 mil, that's a lot coming off. They'll trade, and, you know, they, there were rumors about what they're expecting to get back in a trade today that were, was a little bit outrageous. Um, but they'll still get something good for him. Futures, cost-controlled players of some sort. Um, <clears throat> Brian Bickle, 4 mil. Christopher Stieg, 2.2. These are all guys I can see them moving uh, with Toivo Teravainen and Artemi Panarin signed for very cheap coming in next year. They'll, they'll start to take those bigger roles. Andrew Shaw still at 2.0 mil. Uh, so they can do some things. Especially if they get Mike Riley, too. If they steal yeah, him, yeah. Uh, what a great benefit for for Chicago to get a conservatively a good number five defenseman, maybe a regular top four guy. I mean, he played well, okay at the World Championship, so... They proved they only need to have four that can play. <laughs> you get up at five and a six, and then it just becomes unfair again, so... One of them they're, was Johnny Oduya, and he's a free agent. Well, that's true. They're, they're in a good situation, Chicago. Their, their clean bill of health has allowed them to rely solely on their core to drive the ship and just have the bit players come in and come out, come in and come out. So it's it's a beautiful setup if you're a Chicago fan for the next six or seven years. You, you're blessed in that sense. And, you know... The people they have running their operation seem to be doing a good job with, uh, you know, the things they target, the hows and the whys they do things. So I'm not writing them off. It, they may step back a little bit next year, but it, the long term, they'll, they'll continue to be sniffing Stanley Cups, in my hey, opinion. One of my complaints about... The idea of expansion is that it waters down the rest of the competition because obviously the players get dispersed over a larger spread. Mm-hmm. If that happens, teams that have got their core locked up, so they've got their superstars locked up and they've got them intact, are going to be in a much better situation than those teams that are middling because to lose depth out of your team that's already lacking talent, to lose more talent, I'd the expansion is going to help the teams that have got guys locked up. Like, so you've got you've got Chicago, Tampa if they can keep Stamkos locked up, um, LA, Pittsburgh, um, the Caps, all those teams that have got their superstars locked up to long term deals. Um, I think you're going to end up in a really really good situation in, in four years time. So mm-hmm. people might look at those Taves and Kane contracts and go, holy crap, it's ten point five. But it'll be worth it 
in three or four years' time when the cap changes. They'll be cheap as. So going into next year, let's assume that they lose Patrick Sharp because every rumor has him being traded within the next week. Um, yeah. Their top five um, salary players going into next year will be Taves and Kane at 10.5 each. Uh, Corey Crawford at six, Brent Seabrook at five, eight and Duncan Keith at five, five. And those are the top five guys. And that totals 38.3 mil. That makes up 53.9% of the $71 million cap. And we know that that hasn't been totally finalized yet. Um, Adam Gretz of CBS sports did a wonderful, um, article a few weeks back. And basically, he broke down how much teams can pay their top-end players, the top five players. And most times, it shakes out at right around 50%. So being at 53.9%, it is a lot, um, but it's been done. And um, including Chicago, the 2012-13 Blackhawks, um, their top five players made up more than 50% of the, the payroll. So... Yeah. It's okay to pay great players what they're worth. You get into trouble when you get into the middle tier, lower tier overpaying there. Because you can find better middle and lower tier players. They're always available. What you can't find are the top end guys. So you do need to pay them. That's not where the problem lies for Chicago. The hard work will be hitting on all of their middle to lower tiers. Yeah. What's funny is that of those players you listed, did you list Marion Hosa in that top five? No. No, that, and that's that's the other thing. It just shows you how cheap Marion Hosa is. He's sniffing it though. I no, initially, I, know. I initially actually had him in there until I scrolled down to the goalie section. I forgot about Crawford's Crawford six mil. But you know what? Crawford played great. I thought he played very good, but at six mil. Maybe you think about moving that contract if you could, if you're in the salary cap issues Chicago is. And that's and that comes down to the philosophical idea that you have with goalies and I have with goalies and general managers have to work out with their coaches who they trust back then. Because a team with no with with no trust in their goalie turns out to be Minnesota Wild for half the season. So you don't have to you don't have to have a brilliant goalie. You just need your team to trust the goalie. And Chicago do trust Crawford, but at the moment he's worth every dollar of that six million dollars. It might be an overpayment for the position, according to you, but I I don't have to get in a really massive bind cap wise to shift him. Mm-hmm. Everyone else in front of them on the roster is likely to move before they move Crawford, I would think. Well. There's certainly other candidates in front of him right now, and, and I think they, they will go that route. So Yeah. Sharp and Bickle being the top two, at least from where I, I'm looking at it. Oh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And then Vestie is the third option if they really need to shed some more, some more coin. Yep, I think he'll be one that uh, could be on the move as well, so... All right, let's shift on to the fun stuff. Trades. Um, 
Biggest fish on the market, Phil Kessel. Uh, we've actually talked about him in the past in detail, and I believe we both came to the conclusion we like him as a player a lot and that we don't really have a problem with his uh, high cap hit because that I just mentioned you pay your premium, guys, because other players can't do what they do. And... Um, it's a really interesting situation in Toronto because they kind of are going through that rebuild even though they've brought in high-profile coach like Mike Babcock, but he seems to be on board with the rebuild. Um, Phil Kessel's a player you would love to have on your team when you're good. Will um, It's just a matter of how long that will take, and would trading Phil Kessel expedite the whole process of the rebuild, and it could. Uh, but the catch to the Phil Kessel trade that many people aren't bringing up is Toronto doesn't have to trade him. They can just keep him, and it'll be fine, too. So if they're not getting proper offers, they get to keep a great player. It's not like he's going to be a pending free agent where there's a time frame on this. They have a smart front office now. They'll just hang on to them if they don't like what they see. So I think they're in a really good spot here. There's no, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, there's no need to, there's no need to ship him off just for the sake of, of getting rid of a cancer. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where you get there and look at it. If you're a fan of another team, do you want Phil Kessel on your team if you're in that perceived? win now window and the answer is basically yes if you can get in with the center that can get in the puck he'll score goals um and he, i don't i don't think he's as much of a trouble issue as some of the toronto media media make him out to be so put him in a situation where he feels like he's being appreciated and put him in a situation where he can perform and he will he's, he's proven that i can't see that changing he's 27 um You've just got to find a team that's in that window with $8 million of cap space, whether that's the parts that go back to Toronto or manipulation of salary holding and those sorts of things. No way. They will not have to retain salary in a trade for Phil Kessel. He's a valuable commodity. No chance. The team that trades for him is going to be paying the full eight mil. As they should. It's one of those things. It'll be interesting to see where he lands because some of the teams that you hear out there that could do with him and almost every team could do with a Phil Kessel, you've got to work out how they slot that eight million into their cap. And like you said, what's the date that the ten the ten percent bonus cut pops off? No. Oh, the day one of the season. There you go. So they've got heaps teams have got heaps of time to work that out. Any predictions on kind of who would be looking at him realistically? Well, to, to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing him go to the Islanders. <laughs> wow, that that would be really fun, him and Tavares. Yeah, and, and that's uh, that. I looked at it in that aspect more so than the practicality of who they would give up to get Phil Kessel, because the Islanders are really, really. They have fourteen nice. mil in cap space. Uh, they do yeah. have some people to. Um, sign, but not anything ridiculous. So I, I asked you this with the Islanders then. It's like, 
You've got Annesley and Brock Nelson. Do you value getting an extra defenseman for your roster or do you want to get another upfront forward that can help you score? Like which of those two things do you value more in regards to improving your roster? Because with Anders Land and, and Brock Nelson needing to be RFA'd, do you want to trade those two away in a Phil Kessel deal? We're not going to have any no, no, there's going to have to be more to it. I fully appreciate that. But they're the sorts of players that you might lose out on because of your, your cap chomping up on you. Mm. Mm. Trying to just look through just what they have here. Probably looking at players, prospects like Griffin Reinhardt, maybe even Josh Hosang. Do, do the honest feel like they're in a week and win it now? mode because, you know, Josh Hosang's, you know, projecting to be quite a good center in the next couple of years. Can they afford to wait for that time for him to come good? It's like Tavares' <clears throat> contract comes up 18-19. So... I don't know if the Islanders have the pieces here. They'd have, so to, part, they'd have to part with, like, a Ryan Strom, and that would make little sense for them. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't fit them to do something like that. Um, Kyle Poso, he's only got a year left. Even if they wanted, yeah, I think it's gonna. He'd be great next to Tavares. I I just don't see. It was a they don't, they don't have um, first round pick either this year. I believe it's close to Buffalo. Right. Bit, yeah. So. What about you? Where do you think Castle might, might pop down? Um, man, Nashville's interesting. They seem to be breaking away from that old defensive shell kind of stuff. The only thing I can see hindering Nashville are the contracts that they're going to have to sign moving forward. And Phil Kessel taking up $8 million of cap space there could be a problem trying to sign Jones and Forsberg, um, those sorts of players. So we're going to get hefty raises. So depending on who rolls off the roster as that starts to happen. Yeah, they have a high-priced defenseman. Yeah, well, we'll ignore him for now. That's the thing. This team is, you know currently known as Shea Weber's team, if it suddenly becomes someone else's team, he becomes movable to the fan base. It's um, Seth Jones and Philippe Forsberg's team, as far as I'm concerned. Yep, but that's not how it is at the moment, though. I agree with you. You're exactly right, but that's not how it plays out in the media, and I don't know whether that's what it's like in the national market. Maybe... They do know that it's, it's those two players' team now and there's no need to have $7.8 million locked up in a defenseman that's reasonably one-dimensional. Yeah, his one dimension's great. Great at generating shots, great at offense. Um, he's not a shutdown defenseman, though. His shot suppression stinks. It's below average. Yeah. So you have to take the, the very good with, with the bad. Um 
but at 7.8 mil guy that's at 30 years old or a little bit older maybe one two three he's got at least eight more years left on the contract i just don't like that that contract moving forward if they were able to get value back and i don't i don't even know if toronto's front office would be even interested in that with the way that i feel that they look at things now um but yeah 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 you look at that weber contract and it's almost like you you just want to go one for one give up weber for kessel and look for your filling out your depth a little bit differently re-sign cody franson no they're not no, no, I know they're not, but it's, it's, it's one of those things. This is why this time of the year is so much fun. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Kessel's tough, man, because the 8 mil is big. It's fair, but it, it's tough to fit in. Um, I think you and I are both thinking about it in that teams that are going to want him are teams that are in that sort of win-now mode. Like, you don't, you don't want to ship him off to... Phoenix wouldn't want to bring him on board because there's no point having $8 million wrapped up in his contract because then they're not going to get full value out of it now unless they're trying to hit the cap floor. But you get what I mean? Like the teams that need the Phil Kessel now to get the most out of the talent around him and utilise all of his talent don't necessarily have the cap space to be able to do that. You know what I mean? I agree totally. Yeah. I'd love to see him in Pittsburgh, but that's just not, it's not cap possible. Where? Pittsburgh. I'd love to see him in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, the assets that would need to go back, you're talking to start Alimata, Derek Pouliot, a first round. Yeah. I mean, they're not giving him away. It's not going to be Brandon Sutter, Scott Harrington, and Bo Bennett. No. No, and that's 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 the reality. You look at the pieces that Pittsburgh want to move out to bring someone like that in, and they, they don't have high-quality... Then create the 8 mil. Yeah. No, it's a bad bad, bad fit. Huh. It'll be interesting to see. I, honestly, Florida, I guess, has the cap space and young assets to make that um, kind of thing happen. It's just a matter of if they want to just stick with the young guys, which I probably wouldn't think that that's a bad approach, given some of the quality of, of what they have. But they have 16 mil in cap space with not a lot to do other than Huberto. Oh, yeah, I just I don't know. I really don't know with Florida. It's... <laughs> If I'm Florida, I'm just staying the course. That would be my thought process as well, would be to just stay the course and and play it out, let the people develop together. The issue they might have is that when they hit that window where everyone goes, they're primed to win, will Luongo still be Luongo? Um, maybe. I don't... He's he's still really good, so he's, this is what I mean. He's great. Don't get me wrong, but you're looking at probably three years. He'll be 39 in that three years when you think that those players will have ripened to be their their best. No, it's definitely um, a legitimate concern and one that Vancouver shared. 
Yeah. Because get you know they traded him away because they were afraid of that. Hey, look, he's done nothing to make me think that he's he's declining in what he can provide. Nothing at all. It's just it's timing about these things in regards to. It'll be interesting to see how they do that rotation of bringing in someone else to maybe have him as the backup rather than the number one goalie. Um, that switches around, and that just means that they may have to look at the starting goalie being on a entry-level contract because he's supposed to be a really good goalie, but he's still coming through. So, you know, Tampa Bay are okay in that sense because they've got Vasilevsky coming through behind Bishop, and he's, you know... Highly touted, and he's really, really cheap at the moment. So it doesn't feel like to me that Florida have that luxury in net. So if they stay the course, <clears throat> I think that would be their best option right now. Okay. Um, well, Phil, Phil Kessel will be an interesting one to watch. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Um, next guy. Milan Lucic, Boston Bruins. I think he's one of the most obvious. Uh, he's going to be a pending UFA next year. Uh, six mil. I don't think they get close to the value they need out of him. They are in terrible cap situation. And if I'm the Bruins, I probably look to trade him for, if possible, because uh, you know some some of these GMs value the, the the kind of stuff that Lucic is known for, and they buy mm-hmm. in and they buy into that kind of stuff. Uh, they should be looking for young, cost-controlled defensemen in return because I'm looking at their decor and it's just not where it once was with Mr. Bruchuk. <clears throat> They're gonna no. have to pay big money to Dougie Hamilton. Somebody's gonna offer sheet him. Probably yeah. their old general manager. <laughs> if they don't take care of that. Um, then you have Tory Krug, who's okay. Seidenberg, not great. Chara, getting older. I hope he doesn't fall off a cliff with age. I hope it doesn't just hit him like a brick wall and he's suddenly useless. He started to show a little bit of wear and tear this year. Still a very good player. Yes. But you can see where that decor, I mean, basically keeping Lucic cost them Boychuk. But that comes down to, I think, that franchise buying into the hype of, of what they want it to be, which is the big, bad Bruins. So instead of looking at what makes a good hockey team, they've looked at what makes a Boston Bruins hockey team, and I think that's the difference. Well, they got the bad part right. Yeah, I, it's going to be tough for this team to to drag themselves out of the Sagan trade and losing Boychuk for nothing. Those are two impact players. Yep, and they got Louis Erickson and Riley Smith for both of them. Really, I just can't work out how David Krejci gets paid more than Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, the Krejci contract. Not a very good one. I don't think. I don't think he's a, a terrible player by any no, stretch. No. I just no. don't like the value on that one. Yep. 
So I, I don't know where Lucic. I don't know where Lucic goes though. I don't. I I don't. Know. I had an idea of who the the kind of team that was gonna like him. I I thought for sure the Oilers were ripe for the picking for like a Lucic for Eberle trade when Kevin Lowe was still there, but with all the changes and. Um, I believe they just promoted Tyler Dello to more of a front office role, whereas before he was working more with the coaches. Um, I can't, I can't see somebody that uses advanced metrics falling in love with Lucic at six mil. No, I don't even for one year. So, but somebody will like him. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> It's funny. I struggle. I, it's the same argument that I have with Brandon Sutter is that, you know, I think he's terrible, yet you look at some of the things he brings and someone will find those skill sets valuable. And that intimidation factor and that size and the perceived value in, in those things with Lucic and his ability to get hot and be an extremely effective player at times would be tantalising to some general managers. It's just a question of what will Boston expect to get back and what will they get back? Yeah. They got to... They, the main thing with getting rid of Lucic is they have to cut the salary and, and try to get as good of a player as they can. Uh, younger, maybe a little bit unproven, but has, is tracking the right way. <coughs> And you put those parameters on it, and I really struggle to come up with the... Or, you know, it could be a forward, too, not just a defenseman, but they can't... I, I doubt it's a salary-for-salary salary kind of thing, or at least it probably shouldn't be, but who knows? Like I said, this is where it becomes fun, because you just... Where do you put Lucic? Like, there's a heap of teams that could do with those you know, fabled skill sets that we were just mentioning. Mm -hmm. But what do they give up to getting back that Boston will go, yeah, we'll take that. That's the, that's the hardest thing with, with these trades is going, what's the perceived value back? How much value does the team trading away someone value cap space as opposed to actually acquiring a physical asset or, or a draft pick? It's, what is it? This is, yeah. What are we, 10 days away from the draft? Something like that. And then, uh, well, actually, what are we, 12 days away from UFA? Close enough. Yeah. So, this is going to be good. good two weeks, basically. 12 for you, 13 for us. Yeah, hurry up, catch up. All right, so you, I, I, I can't think of somewhere to put Lucic. You can't really commit to a place either. <laughs> I know. We haven't come no. up with very many specific destinations for our first two people here, but um, we've so, tried to. Be... It's what makes it so crazy and unpredictable. Um, it's because we've tried to at least be realistic-ish. Yeah. Maybe St. Louis <laughs> looking to shake things up. Moves, move a guy like Oshie. Well, this is the thing. If the new general manager in Boston's about making a good hockey team and not worrying about the perceived 
version of whatever Boston is, then that makes sense. If they're still worried about being the big veterans, they're not going to trade for Oshie. Bacchus, on the other hand... I don't think Lucic carries enough value to, to lure that. No, but if you get there and look at the, you know, quote-unquote style of player that Boston have traditionally gone for, it would be Bacchus over Oshie, and then you, you run into that why would you want to get rid of Bacchus over Oshie if you're St. Louis? So, you know. Well, I guess we can transition into the Blues because Bacchus is is one of the guys on the list that we were going to talk about, so we might as well yeah. just uh, segue on into that. Um, here's the thing with the Blues. Pierre Lebrun mentions Bacchus, Oshie, and Berg. Berglund is the three guys, maybe if they want to shake up their quote-unquote. I mean, I wouldn't consider Berglund part of their core, but guys that have been there for a bit maybe have a little bit of value and willing to move on from. Uh, Bacchus is 4.5 mil. He's a pending UFA. He's going to be looking to make some more money. Um, I have an interesting thought about... uh, that if they do go that route and that would be maybe trading once again with um the colorado avalanche and sending back us there for ryan o'reilly who is also a pending ufa that's actually not a bad idea i just thought of that i'm gonna pat it's... myself on the back <laughs> It's because it's it's only two and a half mil. Is he seven mil, isn't he, O'Reilly? I don't think it's quite that high. I think it's six something. Six something. Well, yeah. So exactly six. Not, there you go. So okay. So it's not it's not a massive increase in regards to their cap hit. They get a very different dynamic from that player in regards to how both players play the game. Um, it's it's workable, but it leaves them short of first line. Yeah. Stasny's good. Well, Stasny didn't play as a first-line center, did he? No. And that's probably the difference. If you can trust Paul Stasny to be... Or Ryan O'Reilly. You don't have to label him whatever. You just collect the most quality players. That's how Hitch coaches, though. That's the the reality of, of that. He delineates his team into lines, into positions, and, and wants them to play a particular way. So, you know. Here's, right, here's I, the trouble with St. Louis. If they, if they do indeed want to shake up things a little bit, they're not going to be trading him for futures. They're going to need something back to help them win now. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. And the Ryan O'Reilly idea is I, I'm down for it. Don't get me wrong. And Colorado, if they're having some issues there, um, with O'Reilly, maybe they can just take a chance on Bacchus and hope they can sign him. Well, they could be signing trade deals, couldn't they? They're uh, both in situations. Yeah, I suppose after July 1, they could. They're, they're technically allowed to talk, or I'm sorry, not talk, they're talking now, but they can sign their extensions. A year in advance, once July one hits. So, yeah, 
But no, look, I, I like the idea of the you right. I think O'Reilly in St. Louis would, would be great. It it keeps their it keeps their high end talent around. Um, I mean, they've got to sign Tarasenko, so he's going to take up a whole heap of change there. If he's not the highest paid player on that roster, I'll go he. Um, he, he will be. Yeah, and he should be. I mean, that's the the other reality there. Um, what's going on? Is it Sabotka that's over in? Yes, that uh-huh. hasn't sorted itself out yet. So Once that, yeah. Somebody reported that he's staying in the KHL, and then I believe somebody that covers the Blues said that that was a little bit premature. Um, I think if Sabotka does come back, that you can definitely say that Berglund will be moved. Yeah. And I mean, it's the thing with Sabotka is that he's a, he's a UFA. So I'm interested to see what they sign him at. Sabotka? Yeah. I think he's, it's so difficult keeping track of all that Russian KHL. I don't know if he still has a, Contract with them? I that's yeah. Because they don't, don't. There's no transfer agreement, so some of this stuff gets confusing. It's a bit of a mess, and I. It'll be in that I'll, three mil range. So about the same as Berglund. It's just he's a different type of player to Berglund. So you're changing the way he plays that that position plays wherever they slot them in. But much like every team, they're going to start to need contributions from their younger players. Robbie Fabry. Uh, Ivan Barbashev and Ty Ratty are all on their entry-level contracts, all forwards that they could, at least one of those three has to step up to the plate with the Tarasenko raise uh, if they want to kind of make it work. Yep. That's going to be, and that's the interesting thing for me with, with Hitchcock in regards to how he's going to go about coaching this team like I'm looking at this year pretty much Tarasenko's the only big dog they gotta take care of yeah uh, Bacchus is next year Laterra uh, Jaden Schwartz is an RFA so that's that's a that'll be a tough one if he has another solid year in him but a guy like Steve Ott's making 2.6 mil they could get rid of that That they shouldn't be paying that their back end is they've only got four signed. Well, Bertuzzo will probably be a bottom pairing guy for them. He's an RFA they traded for. Yeah. So, because I don't think I don't think Zabenik, Jackman Nope, they're not I don't believe either will be back. No. Jeez, that that's an interesting roster, St. Louis. I quite I quite like a lot of their players. Just it doesn't feel like it fits. They got wiggle room to, to make changes, though, even with a big Tarasenko race. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's certain it's not a bad roster by any stretch. It's like they've got some great pieces there. Just trying to work out why it hasn't worked. You know, I mean, well, a little bit of it is playing LA twice and Chicago once in the first round, three of the last four years. Yeah, that certainly doesn't help your situation. This past year, they losing to Minnesota was unacceptable by them. 
after getting those other two teams the last three years, you should be thrilled to get. And Minnesota was good, but you know, eventually, if you want to be considered a good team, you got to beat a good team. Go to winner and yeah. So I don't, I, I don't know. Like, if you get there and you reel off the names that you did, like Oshi and and Bacchus in regards to the players that will get shipped out, I I don't know which of those should go. I would suggest shipping out Oshi as opposed to, to Bacchus, but it comes down to what direction the club wants to go in in regards to how they play, and they've gone with the same coach. So I would... Oh, she's a winger, right? I'm not. I'm not going crazy when I think that. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it would be easier to put a winger in than put a center into the way Hitchcock plays. I would think. So it feels like they're going for one more run around with this group, and then if it all goes wrong, they'll make the moves then. Because mm-hmm. uh... Oshie would look great in. in in New York, on either New York roster, to be honest. Yeah, he's a good, solid, responsible player. He's he the the shootout stuff and the Olympic stuff who blew him up a lot in the perception of many as the American hero and the big moment, <laughs> which is a little bit unfair to him because he's not going to consistently live up to. Um, doing that in normal five-on-five play, I mean, he's his shootouts are amazing. But shootouts are a very small part of actual hockey. Being um, a hockey player. But that said, he's he's a good even-strength hockey player, so um, he's just not a superstar. But he's not making superstar money, so it's fine. So you're okay with he's, that, yeah. He's top six in uh, his ice time. His shot generation, his shot suppression, and even some of his assistant points are a first line level at even strength. So very good player uh, at four mil. I really would not consider moving someone like him. That that would make little sense, unless you found his equal. But that's tough, then, that's tough to do. Yeah. Um, but back onto the Ryan O'Reilly thing. Sorry. I'm all over the place. Um, <laughs> you know, if the, the Blues thing doesn't happen, which I don't think it necessarily will, it was just a random thing I threw out there. Um, Toronto has always been a, a team that has been kind of linked to Ryan O'Reilly, and I think that would make a lot of sense for Toronto to get their uh, future, a top six center to join Nazem Kadri. Um, and not play Tyler freaking Bozak in a top six center role for the love of God. Um, maybe Phil Kessel the the abs with um, Ryan O'Reilly and and a little bit added in. Um, that seems believable. It certainly seems believable, if you know what I mean. So I know we came up empty on the Kessel ideas before. Um, the problem being, I don't think that Colorado was on Kessel's trade list, maybe. 
he had only eight teams. Most of them were in the East, so I guess my idea stinks. Forgot about that whole no-trade clause thing, so. Oh, they do cause problems, don't they? But he could always waive it, but if Toronto wanted Ryan O'Reilly bad enough, I'm, I'm sure they could. Or he's Jake, only, Jake Gardner. He's only 24. Jake Gardner would be a, a player, I think, that would be... Because the Avs need defensemen. Jake Gardner's on a very reasonable $4 million contract for a numerous uh, amount of time. Four more years. I think Jake Gardner could be a starting point for a Ryan O'Reilly deal if they didn't uh, go that huge Phil Kessel route. That now yeah, that I'm no, thinking just... about it isn't as likely as I once thought. <laughs> once you stop thinking... Uh... Thinking on the spot, on the fly, thinking out loud, it suddenly goes, "Oh, that's not going to work." It happens. I don't. I don't know. I couldn't see Toronto wanting to give up. Um, what was the defenseman's name? You just, I just Jake lost Gardner. my head. Yeah, I couldn't see them giving up Jake Gardner for Ryan O'Reilly. It's been like the one shining hope that they've had there in regards to their futures that they've had come through. It just feels like they not want to get rid of him for that reason alone. Colorado's not an analytically savvy organization. I wonder if Dion Phaneuf would appeal to them. I, I didn't want to say that because of the same thing you did. I just went, no, surely they wouldn't do the Phaneuf for... Surely they wouldn't do I know they want to move Phaneuf. That's, you know, what's been out there and stuff. But uh, I... That would be a massive win for Toronto if they managed to move Fanouf for O'Reilly. You know, Colorado get a lockdown, you know, top four pairing defenseman. And they get rid of the, the contract issues that they've had with O'Reilly. So it solves a couple of problems for, for Colorado there, but I think they'd be crazy to do that. Toronto would have to add a little. The thing with O'Reilly being a pending UFA, it kind of skews that value a little bit. But I, I think that the Leafs are definitely a team that have identified a top six center is, is a need for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that Ryan O'Reilly is a very good player that can fill that type of role. And he'll probably make around seven mil in his new contract, but so it goes. I just yeah, I, I don't I don't know what to do with with O'Reilly. I don't. I, you get this, you make the assumption that Colorado want to keep him because obviously he's a quality player, but they've not wanted to pay him yet. I mean, who knows? They might sign a contract July one, and he doesn't move. But it doesn't feel like that's yeah, the good. way it's going to. Quite honestly, it'd be a good decision by them. But his name is always in trade rumors. And yeah, no, that's that's the thing. So, and that's that's what sort of gets me with it. It's like he's always the one that people talk about him moving, and it's because of that UFA status that's coming up. The theory being that Colorado don't want to pay him what he's worth, and it's like, well, okay. And if. Here's the nice thing about 
leading up before the draft. Like Toronto has high pick this year. Um, they could stand to do a lot of different things if they could trade for Ryan O'Reilly before the draft. Um, having Kadri and O'Reilly would be a very good, you know, a decent two centers that they haven't had in a while. Uh, William Nylander, their draft pick from a year ago, is trending in a very positive direction. He looks to be great. He's a winger. Um, Van Riemsdyk, pretty okay. Um, Phil could still be around for all we know. Now mm-hmm. we're starting to do things. And with that other pick, or their top, or I think, are they the fourth overall? I think fourth or fifth. I can't, I can't remember. But you're right. You're exactly right. And I'm then they could made... take a defenseman. Yeah, that's exactly right. You, you get there if they do go ahead they and... They could take and... Hannafin. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. You get there, you, you take... Geez, I'll tell you what, if you're... You trade Gardner manager... for O'Reilly, and then you take Hannafin, and... You know, this is just something to yeah. think about. You're right, though. It really does. It really does change the way a team. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they go with their trades prior to the draft, like all the teams, to see if that then changes everyone's mock draft. If you know what I mean, where everyone seems to think people will take someone because of what their organization needs. You go and make a, a trade that fills that need, then all of a sudden they can draft a different player. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last, not least, we brought him up a little bit earlier, Patrick Sharp. And um, this one is going to happen for sure. It's just a matter (laughs) of uh, when and who. And actually did a little piece for Todd Cordell's Hockey Buzz hot stove thing he had today. And um, I guess Florida, Dale Talon connection, cap space, um, seems like Sharp, is still a good player, but he, you know, all that winning stuff that people like, um, teaching the new kids, leader, all that stuff's there. So I think it makes a lot of sense to have Florida as a landing spot for Sharp. Do what do you think that Chicago would want back? Are they just wanting cap space back, so they'll just take no, a draft today, pick? Today, um, there was a report they want a first-round pick, a top-tier prospect, and a top-six forward on an entry-level contract. They think he's Evgeny Malkin, apparently. If that's not going to happen. No, it's not, it's not going to happen. And You, know, you are. I'm not saying the, the report's wrong or misleading or anything like that. It's just that's not going to happen. They, the other team has Chicago by the balls, not the other way around. Hey, look, you might as well get there and throw it out there. I mean, if someone's stupid enough to do it, you take it. I mean, that, that's the, that's the thing. Like, you know, you can throw out stupid ideas and stuff, but if someone goes, "Oh, I'll do that," you take it and run to the bank with it. It's there's nothing wrong with I that. There'll but... be a little bit of competition for him to to land his services. Yeah. I, he's not going to be given away. He's still valuable, but. At the end of the day, I mean, it's only going to go so far. Oh, you want that? Oh, fine. I guess we'll uh, offer sheet sad instead if you and let them hang and out there. That's where that balancing act comes through 
with that for, for these sort of negotiations between the teams that are looking at, at, at both of those players, I suppose. So I, I just I find it interesting with Chicago. I'd ask for a second round pick and a and a prospect that would be I mean, worth where. I think he can actually land a, a later first round pick, to be honest. But just the pick, nothing else? Maybe something else. It depends how many teams get involved. It's just not going to be the first round pick, the, the top prospect in a top six, whatever the hell they want. That made me laugh yeah. today. That was a good one. Yeah. So, look, you, you, you stuck your neck out and you said Florida, and that sounds pretty good. I'm assuming Sharp doesn't have any trade clauses in his contract. Is that right? I think he does. I'm just having a look now. I think he does. He's got a modified no trade clause. And he signed through for another two years. What? With, obviously, Edmonton... Do you reckon Edmonton would be able to snag him? They've got assets that they could give well, up for Chicago. That little no trade thing you just mentioned. That's and that's why I asked the question. Would you want to go and play next to Connor McDavid? Because they'd probably slot him on the other wing to well, Paul. If you're Patrick Sharp and you've just won three Stanley Cups, you could go play with Connor McDavid and it'd probably be a lot of fun. Or you could go to South Beach and play with Alex Barkov. And live in and live in the sun. Yeah, so I mean and, and, and play in an organization with the GM that initially um, acquired you and there's a yeah. lot of familiar faces. Yep. There. He's good friends with Brian Campbell from what oh, I hear. Sure. So yeah. there's a lot of things going on for Florida that um, make some sense. And that's why I picked them as um, where I think he'll go. I think Washington's another interesting team. They seem to be looking for that extra top six piece. Because right now they have, um, obviously, probably, arguably, the the best left winger in hockey. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. (laughs) And Alex Ovechkin. Yeah. but past that, the Kuznetsov, obviously very good, and um, Burakovsky to a lesser extent. But they they could fit him in on the left wing on that team. So what do they give to Chicago, though? Because mm. they're not going to get, get him for free, obviously. They're not. Uh, good question. Just going down. They probably have that first round pick. Yep. And then you middle prospect of some sort. I I, I can't lie. I'm not well versed no. in Washington's prospect. No. Uh, I mean, it's not going to be Kuznetsov. Let's be honest. Um, no. Yeah. I think Washington having a late first round pick. Uh, boy, they did some trades though. I might be talking out of my rear end. They may, they may not even have that first round pick this year. Um, there you go. I'm gonna look. Yeah, it'll be interesting to say. Right. It'll be interesting to say 
where Sharp ends up. It's like there's a lot of places that where you, you could throw him and he he would do very well there, and the team would do well to have him. But they have it. It's oh, they do do that. Second round pick went for Curtis Glencross. Right. Okay, so they have it, and there's the starting point. You'll have to figure out some minor details aside from that, uh, but but the potential's there. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be really handy for the, for the Caps to have to have that as your second line winger behind Ovechkin. Toronto. Toronto's in a spot where they start to do interesting things like that. Don't know what they'd give back though. Somebody cheap. And maybe their second round pick this year, because Toronto's second round pick is like a late first. Yeah. Now, if you're if you're Dallas, and you know you've got Nishchushkin coming back onto the roster, do you pick up a sharp to help really fill out that depth on the front end, or do you just concentrate on improving that? Defensive core. Yeah, they. That's a good question. Because I think Sharp would do really well in, in amongst that mix of forwards that Dallas have got, and they've got they've got players that they can they can ship out. I mean, Rich Peverly being what Rich Peverly was, and now being a UFA, you know. I think he's going to be retiring anyways. That's yeah, I know, and and, and that really kind of hurt them in in that sense because. He was really important to that roster. So, where do you, you just don't know what they're going to value in regards to trying to improve? Because if they do want to go up front, they've got some parts that they could ship. I'm sure. First round pick. Yeah, first round pick it, and then throw them in a a middling prospect, I suppose. I don't know if middling will be good enough. But once well, again, once again, just like I said with well, Washington, yeah, um, uh, prospect stuff around the league is not a strong point of mine. I mean, I know some a lot of the obvious ones, but it, like for Pittsburgh, for example, I know Brian Dumoulin, Scott Harrington. I don't know the Brian Dumoulins and Scott Harringtons of every NHL team. No, you can only I'll, know I'll, I'll know they're Derek Pouliots, but not just for an example. Um, yeah, my my knowledge doesn't run that deep i mean i can look it up and i have plenty of people uh, that's why twitter's so great you can bounce these kind of ideas off but you know when you're live doing a podcast that's not really available that ain't gonna happen <laughs> so no i like the idea of dallas i don't know if that's um yeah i mean you got sagan and spetz as the two centers jamie ben is the other left wing you, you slot um sharp as is the second line left wing and you still got Hemsky and Natrushkin. That's a really, that's a hell of a top six right there. Yeah. But sign, top six sign right. Cody Franzen. Boom. Dallas hey. looking good. All right. So they could win the central division this year coming. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Shut up. <laughs> no, hey, but that, hey, it, I no. had him pegged for being good too. And, so, but that's the thing. It's like, do they just go up front, or 
they, they, I think they need more than Katie Franz in, in the back end. That's all. Uh, so, Kleinberg, pretty good. Pretty nice surprise for them. He's really good. Yeah. Goligaski, okay, even though I gave, I gave him a rough pride when he was in Pittsburgh. Um, Franzen will help. It seems, it's, it's teams like Dallas, looking at this from a Pittsburgh perspective, it's teams like Dallas who can overpay for Franzen that will screw Pittsburgh out of the market. And a lot of teams that are in Pittsburgh situation that would want someone like Franzen, Dallas can overpay for it. A little bit. They could give him six and be fine. Yeah, and give it to him for six years. And that takes him to 33. I mean, he couldn't have become a, an unrestricted free agent at a better time in his life. Nope. I like your Dallas suggestion. I haven't seen anything that ties Dallas in with Sharp, but I like your suggestion. I think it would be a nice uh, thing for them. I mean, they're division rivals. It would be the one thing that would... Yeah, that is true. The, You're, the, right. The, You're right. You're right. That, and that's why that's the Florida thing... Probably works. That's the thing. Like when you get there, you, you mentioned Florida. To, to me, you get there and go, there's so many boxes that are ticked without having to do anything or worry about anything in regards to competition between the, the franchises. It works really well. All right. Well, gosh, we've been going a while. We're going to have to do uh, fire through some of these questions then. Far away. All right, from Kershke15, is Brandon Sutter a Penguin after the draft? Uh, I say yes, but I don't think he starts on the Penguins roster. Okay, fair. I am going to say no. They seem to be clamoring about the, the, the buzz out of Pittsburgh is they want to do something at the draft, they wanted to move back into the first round. There's just a lot of talk about them wanting to do something, and he's by far the most obvious, you know, piece that is going to move in some capacity. He's the most movable piece they've got of people that they want to move. So I say no. I think I think you'll see him get moved next week. I hope you're right. <laughs> um, you know, I could be wrong, but I, I think there's a lot of logic to... I mean, the draft's a big-time spot to do these kind of things, and I think it just might happen. So, All right. Smitty0717. Sabres-related. Who's their next goaltender? Oh, Jesus. I know. Tough one. Um... They're, they're good... in the hunt for goaltending. Uh, Cam Talbot, Laner, uh, Martin Jones is an interesting one if L.A. doesn't uh, sign him, even though there are reports that they are talking contract already for Martin Jones in L.A. Uh, Eddie Lack. There's, there's options for them. Lack's interesting. Would, would they be crazy enough to go on anti-Niemi? Uh, I, I suppose they could. Devin Dubnik is looking for over five mil. I don't think the Sabres are really looking for, for something like that. Just get Neuwirth back. Neuwirth. I mean, 
let's face it, they're Thomas Grice. I I think that's give Thomas Grice one year, two mil. Hey, be our starter this year, and see if he hacks it. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that thought he's, process. He's, you're you're high, you're high on Grice. I'm fully aware of that. I don't think he's a star. I think he's been league average or better every every year he's been in the league. So if you're league average or better, let's increase the sample size on the cheap and let's see what we got. The Sabres aren't making a run for a Stanley Cup. I think Grice is almost uh, it's a very good idea for a team like Buffalo. They're the perfect situation to see and take a tester on a guy like that. Yeah. You it's know, perfect risk reward for them. He may not be. You give him the starting job and he falls on his face. All right, whatever. Didn't really cost us our cup this year, and it didn't cost them anything moving forward in the future. No, that's true. It's not like trading for uh, Laner or Lack or Cam Cam Talbot paying a premium, and then what if that person falls on their face? Now you've just wasted assets. Yeah, that's the. I think Grice the, is in that same level as some of these other names we've just mentioned. So why not take the guy that's not costing you assets? Yeah, I, that's why I think they should just delve into the free agency market. I don't think they should um, offer sheet someone up and, and have to give up a, a you know give up draft picks or something like that. I, I think they should. It, this this year is is a, yeah. This year and, and next year, so 15, 16, and 16, 17, I, I don't think are going to be cup runs. So I don't think they should worry too much about who's in net. They just want someone that's competent. And Grice has shown that he won't lose you games. He won't steal them for you either. He won't lose them. Which is all they need. Um, and... He asked if uh see them using offer sheets and yes, I, I think if there's one team that has probably has no problems using an offer sheet, Tim Murray seems to be that guy. Uh who that will be, I don't know. Tough to predict what uh, there's a lot of RFA options out there. I will answer this vaguely. I think they will offer sheet somebody. Tough to say who. Tyler Tafoli maybe. But yeah. So, uh, next one comes from Johnny Buckets. Who would put up more points next year if healthy on the Pittsburgh Penguins? Drew Stafford, Chris Stewart, or Alexander Semen? Uh, I say Alexander Semen. I think his struggles last year uh, in his shooting career low shooting percentage can be traced uh, to his wrist injury and just being on a kind of a team that was going nowhere. For the first half of the year with Jordan Stahl out, they were a very bad team. And then by the time Jordan Stahl came back, when they started playing better, his wrist was junk. So Alexander Semin, if that was in this hypothetical. Uh, how about you? I, I, I agree. Uh, he's just got too much talent to burn. And as much as people say he doesn't give a toss, he's just in it for the money, I actually think he does have a little bit of pride, and I think he'll be better this year than last year. How could somebody's underlying numbers be that good if they don't give a crap? I think it's one of those perceptions of people think that uh, 
you see a guy moving his legs fast that he's being productive, and that's just not always the case. Ah, uh, look, there's a lot of prejudice involved in the seven stuff. Oh, you know, yeah. for sure. So it's just it, it's just the reality of, of of what it's like for um a player like Salmon, you know, to have disappeared a little bit in the in the playoffs occasionally for Washington and they've had the season he had last year, he is just going to cop it, you know. I mean, Rick Nash doesn't cop the same kind of beating that Semin does. Yeah, a little bit. Not the same vitriolic sort of stuff that Semin gets. Not the gets. xenophobic side of it, but, yeah, they, they both yeah. catch. And they're both good players, so go figure. Yeah. Um, Zach MT9, Pittsburgh... Penguins, are you comfortable with going young on the D if it meant opening up room for the top six wingers? Um, yes, of course, but I'm not so concerned with the age. It's more about price and value for what you're getting out of those players. Um, if they can play and they're cheap and you can trust that, of course. You always look to free up money. Uh, getting good value on uh, one area of your team opens up, opens you up to being able to maybe uh, overpay in other areas of need. So totally fine with it. Um, they just need to be able to, to handle that. And I'm not totally sold on Dumoulin and Harrington being able to do that, which is why I've said uh, Pittsburgh should be kind of looking for a Franzen or a Sakara type of player because if Latang and Mata go down, what are you left with? I I agree. I think going on the cheap on the back end as opposed to going young on the back end works because the players that are supposed to be coming through are cheap. They're on entry level deals, so I, I would I would go cheap on the back end and I think the last podcast I said how I'd like the front of the roster to be to be built and yeah, load up on load up on guys that can um, make the most out of Crosby and Malkin's talents. That's how I would. That's how I would do it. And we both agree. Rob Skidari, whether it be buyout or trade, cannot be on this roster moving forward. That's that's the one thing that sort of drives me bonkers about that Despray trade, and it's probably going to come up over the next couple of years. Is that they had a ready-made top four defenseman in him for next year, and they panicked and traded for a veteran whose ceiling is if you're on a cup team, you want him to be your number five. Six. Six if, if you're you know really confident. And they shipped out that young guy. Like that, that franchise invested a lot of time into that player, and he's the sort of guy that you go, he's cheap for this year coming up, and it's gone. I'll stop. Next question. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> now, that one's going to carry some emotional undertones for some people for quite a long time, so... It's understandable. It wasn't a good, not a good, <laughs> not a good deal. But I beat that horse. Um, Matt's ear right. Where should Pascal Dupuis play? Top six or third line, and why? Um, I don't care. He's if he's back and he's he's a very fit player, good physical condition. It's tough to say coming off a blood clot what could happen. Nice thing is, unlike Kimo Timon, and he's not coming in mid-season. He's going to be training. He's been training. He'll be coming in fresh. Uh, 
the value in Pascal Dupuis is that he can he's a top nine player and you can pretty much slot him in wherever and he won't be a liability. So I get that he's older. I get that he makes 3.75 mil. I understand the people that think a lot of his numbers are uh, Crosby related, and that's very true. But they are still very good numbers, and Crosby is still on the team, and so is Malkin. So if you have to play him in the top six, he's not going to drown in that responsibility. And if you play him in the top nine, that must mean you found a better top six option. All the better. What you said, I don't think I can really add anything to that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let's see here. Kant underscore ER. He says, not much talk since the trade deadline when interest was confirmed, but do the Penguins have any interest in pursuing Jordan Stahl? Um, Clearly they had interest. I just... I love Jordan Stahl, and I don't have a problem with his $6 million contract. They could definitely make that work. Problem being, the assets to acquire is, you know, it's it, like I said before, it's not going to be a Sutter, Bo Bennett, Scott Harrington type of deal. Jordan Stahl is very good. They know he's very good. Um, I don't know if you could justify the cost of acquisition. I want Jordan Stall back, but it won't happen. So. For all the reasons you just said, they don't have the they don't have the assets that they want to give up to get him back. It's like you're almost robbing Peter to pay Paul if you get there and, and have to give up Derek Pouliot to get Stall back because you're relying on Pouliot to fill out your back end cheaply. So, you yeah. And last but not least, Dink Stink 09. Why is the price of concentrated orange juice dropping while pork belly prices are rising? He's just being an ass because I used to play high school hockey with him. He's he's referencing, uh, I think, Trading Places, the Eddie Murphy movie. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Not in economics. Sorry, Brian. That's just just funny. (laughs) So... um, we ran long this week, sorry. Or you're welcome. I don't know which side you fall on for that, but um, that's all we have for today. Uh, before we go, I just want to mention quickly a few things. Uh, you can find me at Gunner Stall on Twitter. You can find Cameron at Walshy66. Uh, rate our podcast on iTunes. That'll help uh, push it up the list, make it more visible and last but certainly not least uh cameron has put the option to donate to the hockey hurts podcast uh clearly that's totally optional but uh thank you to those we we've actually had some uh donation subscriptions come in so very much appreciated and uh that's pretty much it yes thank you ian and thank you caroline for being the first people on board Yes, very much, very much appreciated. So, um, moving forward, lots of cool stuff for us to talk about with the draft next week and free agency. So, uh, we're definitely going to have material out there. So, stay tuned. And that'll do it. Thanks, guys.